Okay, we might finish the mimer today. We'll see. I would say tomorrow. We finished off with the third, the second paragraph on the last page, the 50s and 60s. And yesterday we spoke about the difference between speech and thought, the letters of speech and thought, as they're connected to we basically yesterday started explaining, based on everything we've learned so far in the Mimer, the verse, the opening verse of Oz Yashir, which will help us to understand the entire, um, the entire praise of the song of Oz Yashir. We discussed why it was specifically in a song, and we will apply that right at the end to the splitting of the sea. We said that we open off Az Yashir Moshe Bnei Yisrael Es Hashir Hazos LaHashem. They sang a song, and they said Ashir LaHashem. We sing to Hashem. We said song raises you up to a level that is beyond both the level of Alma Diskasia and the level of Alma Diskalia to the depth of the heart and the deepest part of Hashem. Ki Ga'ai Ga'a, because he is exalted beyond being exalted. We said that exalted means that he is above the world. Alma Diskasia Sovav Kol Almin Keser He. Is, he transcends the limitations of the world, but he is even higher than that. Gaya Ga'a. He is exalted beyond even being able to be called exalted, right? And we said, um, what was the verse with Kadusha Narech Elov? Where is the verse here? Yeah. Loi Narech Elov Kadusha That we can't even compare him, compare God to his holiness, to the fact that he is separate. Kadosh means Kadosh Mudal, the fact that God is separate is beyond. And that's why when we, Kadosh Etzmachem, when we sanctify ourselves, what does to sanctify yourself mean? What does it mean to make yourself holy? To separate yourself. That's what Kadosh means. And so we can't even compare God to his holiness or to the fact that he is separate from the world because he is way beyond that. He's beyond any sort of comprehension and understanding whatsoever. And that is the idea of we will sing Tashem Ki Ga'ai Ga'a because it has been revealed to us. We have experienced the fact that God is beyond any sort of level that we can understand. And then we said, Sus Rama Vayam. The horse and its rider, he raised up into the sea. So we are still trying to understand that second part of the verse. And then when we get to the last paragraph, we're going to apply this all to the splitting of the sea. So we said that a horse is a marshal in Hasidus for letters. And the rider of the horse, which controls the horse, is the marshal for the seichel, the intellect, that controls the letters of the speech. And if anyone's following along in the daily Tanya, the Tanya is speaking about this very idea. It's actually interesting because it says, Oh no, it's a different place that said, as it's written in the Kote Amaran. But if anyone's following along, we're in chapter 20, going to chapter 21, I think. Starting 21 today. So yesterday, today, and tomorrow, basically, are, are very much discussing similar ideas to this idea of the horse and the rider. It's discussing Hashem's speech, how Hashem's speech is different to our speech and thought, and how actually the truth is that Hashem is beyond bo- both his speech and his thought, which is th- what we're talking about here. So when we say letters, we talk about letters. The concept of letters is the idea that we take something that exists in a completely hidden state, in a state of infinite potential, which is, we can call that physically, our un- which is not physical, but what we would call in 
normal terms are unconscious, let's say, right? Our unconscious doesn't have any form. You can't put a pin on your unconscious. You can't define it. It's, it's in, what exists in our unconscious is an infinite potential of different things, different ideas. But then when you take the, that and you put it into letters, that's considered taking something that has infinite potential and limiting it. And there are two categories in chassidus for these limitations of letters. The first one is the letters of thought, and the second is the letters of speech. Because even our thoughts, as we've explained before, machshava diboromaise, machshava is also a lavush, an external layer of what we would call clothing expression of the soul. It's not actually the soul, right? And we say this all the time, not connected to chassidus, we say, you are not your thoughts, right? How often have you heard that? You are not your thoughts. Our thoughts are not us. They are a very, very limited version in the form of letters. Letters take something, they define it, but they also limit it, right? And that starts with our thoughts, takes this infinite potential of our unconscious and channels it and limits it into the thoughts, into the letters of thought. And then the letters of thought will then be further limited into the letters of speech. So if I'm understanding correctly, the Tanya is defining these two. The Tanya that's being discussed now is speaking about the thoughts and the speech. And actually it's brought that thoughts are the source of Amadiscasia because God thought the spiritual worlds into being. And speech is the source for Amadiscasia because God spoke the revealed world into being, right? And God spoke and the world came into being. That's Amadiscalia. But it also says that God, with one thought, God created the whole world. So did he speak or did he think? And the answer is, well, just like by us, there's two types and categories of expression. There's an expression of our unconscious that exists still in a hidden state. That's called our thoughts. Nobody else can see it, but it is limited. It's not us. Our thoughts are still not us. And then there is a more limited expression of ourself, which is our speech, which is so limited to the point that it can be received and transmitted to others, right? We have that by our, within ourselves. We have that by Hashem. He thought the spiritual worlds into being. When we say the spiritual worlds, I'm in disgust here. So it's still concealed, just like thoughts are concealed from others, but it's still not him. I'm disgust is not God. And this is the message we're getting to again and again and again now towards the end of the Mima. Even Amadiskasi, which is so transcendent, which is so infinite, which is one and unified, is not God himself, right? Just like our thoughts are not us. And then we have speech, Amadiskali, which we know for sure we are not our speech. Uh, we are, they, and our speech is something that leaves us and goes outside of us. That's different than God. God is one with his speech in a way that we're not. Um, but even so, Speech represents the level, an even further step down the ladder of concealment and limitation, and it creates the world of Amadiskalia and the experience that we have in this world of feeling separate. And so Sus Varoichvai represents these two categories of Amadiskasia, Amadiskalia, of thought and speech and of letters, okay? And we get that from the idea that a horse is a marshal for letters because letters are um, nullified and are controlled by the intellect. And we, just that we can also control our thoughts, right? The letters of our thoughts are not like, they don't just happen automatically. They're controlled by our seichel, by our intellect, which is actually deeper than our thoughts, right? So two, um, just lost my train of thought. Saying that, oh, I just totally blanked out. All right, thank you. And that's why a horse is a marshal for that because a horse is totally nullified to the rider, the rider being the intellect and the horse being nullified to the wills of the rider. We added yesterday that the rider cannot get 
to the to where he needs to go without the horse, so it's necessary. So to Amadeus cannot actually achieve its purpose of existence without Amadeus without people who feel separate, right? Who then come back to God. Um, that that was almost like a separate idea that was added in. So when we say sus the idea of letters, letters <laughs> equals on the one hand revelation, right? Because you can only express yourself outward through letters to yourself and to others. But it also on the same at the same time equals revelation equals limitation, right? The moment you reveal yourself to someone else, you're actually limiting yourself. There's it's no possible way to take everything that you are and even express it to yourself, and how much more so to express it to others. And so when we say as we're gonna see inside, that this concept of letters, which God used to create the worlds. He limited himself in order to reveal himself in the form of letters in the worlds as we know them. We're raised up in the sea. We're raised up to the level of truth, which is the unity and truth that everything actually is Hashem and that the truth of Hashem transcends both of these worlds. Okay? Is that clear? I know we, we read all of this inside already yesterday, but I just wanted to make sure that the, the idea was, was like elaborated on a little bit more clear. Okay? And actually, today and tomorrow's Tanya, if you want to get more of an idea of like, concept of letters and of speech um you could go read it there it does it, it does actually help clarify it interestingly it's always very cool when the tanya and what we're learning lines up especially when what we're learning is actually the parsha it's it's great um okay we are on the third paragraph if i'm not mistaken right mm-hmm. Right, which was basically saying Hashem is able to see from the beginning to the end of all of the generations. Um, and God created the world with one thought. And the thought, again, is the letters of thought, the limitation that Hashem used to create the world. And we do not want to just, as we're going to see next, cleave to Hashem's limitations, even if they're very, very lofty and spiritual and unified. We want Hashem himself. So, third paragraph. This is the verse, this is the deeper meaning of the verse, which says, Yesh. He who can acquire his world in one moment. And his world is like the reward of the world of the world to come. There are those who can acquire their world to come in one moment. That's the simple understanding of the verse. We're going to take it to a deeper level. Yesh. We've discussed what yesh is. Yesh means a feeling of separateness, right? So there are those who feel separate who can acquire their world in one moment. Pirush, this means, according to Hasidus. Shakol b'chines ta'anuge hanevraim. All of the possible pleasures that can be experienced by creations. All the pleasures that are able to be drawn down to creations who are limited. There's something very interesting when it comes to pleasure. That the more sophisticated you are, the more sophisticated your pleasures, right? So like a child gets pleasure from very, very limited things and the more you know, lofty you get, you would hope, the more you, you, sophisticated pleasures you can get, right? Somebody who we would consider sophisticated would get pleasure from like music, as we're discussing classical music, let's say, as opposed to more crass, immediate sort of pleasures that are less complicated. So when it's, it says here, all of the possible pleasures that are able to be drawn down to limited creations, 
ple- the, the true ultimate pleasures, we actually don't even know what they are because we're so limited, we're not able to experience them. You have to have a vessel to be able to receive the light and that pleasure. So all the pleasures in the world, spiritual and physical, which are able to be transmitted to limited beings, Leos Macabre, Tanag Mizet, to allow them to actually be able to receive pleasure from this, Va'afilo Tanag Ruchani, and even a spiritual pleasure, the Gan Eden Elyon, even the highest levels of Gan Eden. Gan Eden is the pleasure and the reward of what we did in this world. Nikra Bechinas Yesh. These are all called and fall under the category of Yesh, of existence, <clears throat> of ego, of some aspect of separateness. The physical worlds as well as the spiritual worlds. And even if you're so sophisticated that you actually get spiritual pleasures from lofty spiritual things, it's still separate from the ultimate truth. As it's written, that I will apportion to those I love. Yesh, and there's a context again, I will give them. And then it says, I will apportion to them, I think it's to the tzaddikim, 310 worlds, each one of them, depending on how much they did in this world because each tzaddik receives a different amount of pleasure and a different type of pleasure. Sorry, that's just the context of that verse. And so this level called yesh, this concept that th- there is always this separateness and this distinction between the, the one receiving the pleasure and the pleasure from the truth of God. With this, he acquires his world. When it gets included into the level called Sha'achas, we said that with, in one moment God created the world with his thought. So even if he's raised up to the level of thought, even if his pleasures are very sophisticated and spiritual, the level of one thought, with which God created the world, we read this verse from Tehillim, Yesterday, to explain the verse that we're trying to understand from Mazyashir, that God raised up the horses as rider into the sea. It's brought into Hillim that God does not desire the strength of the horse. And what did we say about that? What does it mean God doesn't desire the strength of the horse? The horse is powerful. The horse are the letters that God used to bring the whole world into being. But God doesn't want us to stop there. He doesn't want us to be satisfied with the version of Hashem that we're able to acquire on the level of horse, in the level in the world of Amadeus Scalia, from a feeling of I'm separate and then there is God and I'm going to give myself over to God, which is amazing, but God, that's not what God desires. That's not the ultimate desire. Perish, this means. She'eino me'er chafetz Hashem, that Hashem's desire does not shine, but gvurois v'tzimtzumim, into contractions and concealments, into versions of himself that are not truly him. Those that are only in the category of letters. From Pirkei somebody who says that all I have is Tyra, even Tyra he doesn't have. Again, simple understanding of even those who say, oh, I only have Tyra, even Tyra doesn't have. If he has Tyra and he doesn't have Derech Eretz, or he doesn't have respect for others, he doesn't have mitzvahs, he doesn't even have Tyra, right? But this deeper meaning here is if somebody says, I only have Tyra, I only have spirituality, he doesn't even have spirituality. Because we cannot get, we cannot be satisfied by reaching a level of connection of God that's based on the spiritual, because that's still letters, that's still limitation of God. It's not God himself. And what God desires is that we, down here, in this world, will have a relationship with him, not with 
his tzimtzumim, not with his limitations, not with the pleasure that's been channeled down to us of spirituality and of holiness, but with him. The ken, and therefore the, the verse continues in Tehillim, lo b'shokei ha'ish, said that God doesn't desire the strength of the man, the legs of the man, the rider who's above the horse. God doesn't desire the horse and he doesn't want us to have a relationship only with the limited version of him that we see down here. But he also doesn't want us to only have a relationship with the spiritual world that maybe is beyond us because that is not him. And that's not to say God doesn't want us to relate and to connect to these levels, but he doesn't want us to stop there and say, okay, I only have Tyra. Like that's what I have. I have a relationship with the expressions, the limit, limited expressions of God in the world as I can understand and reach them and take pleasure in them. God wants us to reach him himself. That which holds up the level of letters, so higher than the level, level, level of the horse is the level of the rider. Even the level which we call thought, which is more sophisticated than the level called speech, which are necessary in order to speak and act. Bilvad alone, This is not where the ultimate desire of Hashem shines in His thought or in His speech. Ella rather, Roitza Hashem, Hashem wants that His desires, that His will should shine the pnimiyosai esurayav into the innermost part of those who fear Him. Dahaino, this means somebody who is in total state of being given over to Hashem. As Moshe said, and what are we? This is able to be achieved. Sorry, fundraiser's wife. We're, we're, saying, we're, we're, we're having her in mind? Yeah, yeah. Ephraim, Sihar, Shakon, Ben, Miriam. Should have her for Shalema. This is the level of bittel that Moshe Rabbeinu had. What are we? We can reach this by exciting the soul through song, by reaching the depth of the soul, which transcends both thought and speech, which transcends all of the limitations. Where we can then face God in his truth, in his essence, totally. So when we say so that God doesn't desire the strength of the horse or the strength of man, Hashem Hashem wants those who fear him. What does that mean? That Hashem does not want us only to have a relationship with that which we can understand and see from a place of separateness down here. He also doesn't want us to have a relationship with the spiritual expressions of him. He wants us to have a relationship with him himself and he wants to have a relationship with the deepest part of us, which means we have to tap into and reach and reveal the deepest part of us, which is one with the deepest part of God, which transcends the letters of thought and speech, which transcends the levels of Amadeus Gassia and Amadeus Galia. And we can do that by raising ourselves up to... The, through song, as we said, through tapping into the deepest parts of our soul, which are above that. And now, at the end of the day, it doesn't speak so much about Matan Tyra, but now we're going to get into what happened when the sea split. But when we think about what Matan Tyra is, it was the only time that God himself actually descended into this world. And it says about Matan Tyra was an event that had never happened before and that will never happen again, even when Mashiach comes. Hashem himself 
descended into this world and was revealed to make a contract and a binding union with the Jewish people, not between his Torah and the external parts of the Jewish person, but between the essence of the Jew and the essence of him. That is what happened at Matan Torah. It was a marriage. A marriage is an internal Pneumious union, right? It's not like an external friendship. It's the most internal relationship that we have as an example down here in this world. And that is what God wants from us. And that is what the whole purpose of taking the Jewish people out of Egypt was, that we will have a relationship with the truth of God. And we can get there through Tyra. We can get there through mitzvahs. We can get there through revealing and the truth of who we are, which is that who we are is one with God, not with God's revelation, not with God's limitation, but with God himself. And in order that we will actually truly be able to experience this at Harsinai and then keep this up for all the generations as Jews, an intimate relationship with Hashem himself, not with the expressions of Hashem, we needed to experience the splitting of the sea. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, is it... Like, is it about um, us not being connect, like not connecting to a certain expression of of Hashem or one side of His expression, or like, or as we're talking this week about like experience about specifically one aspect of relation or like. Like, or just comprehending that, oh, this is transcendent, and that's what I'm not engaging in, like, emotionally, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand what side of it is we're talking about. Because I, I yeah. didn't understand everything before, like, yeah. but this specifically... No, I definitely yeah, hear so, that. So I'll, I'll try to explain it maybe a little differently. Um, I'm not saying, the is not saying that we shouldn't connect to spiritual things, right. or that we shouldn't connected different elements and parts of Hashem. Yes. They're all very, very important. Yes. But the question is, what's the goal? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose and where is the true desire? We know that the Alter Rebbe used to say, I don't want your Olam Haba, I don't want your Gan Eden, I want you. Yes. Right? So the Alter Rebbe used to say that all the right. time in these crazy meditations when he was ruling. Right. That's what they heard him saying again and again and again and again. And that is what God wants from us, that we want Him. Mm-hmm. Just like in a relationship, we we connect to others with all different aspects of ourself and all different layers and levels of ourself. But ultimately, we all want a relationship where we know that the deepest part of ourselves is connecting with the deepest part of somebody else and where they're able to actually see us for who we really are and not just our personality or not just our humor or not just our wits and our right. smartness, right? God wants that too. Is it kind of like what we're talking, what we're, what we're doing with Rosh Hashanah? Like when we're not crowning Hashem or we're not trying to tap into the next steps with Hashem because oh we are really good servants but because we like we did what we like we did what we did <laughs> but we're just asking for like we're asking we're doing Shuba, we're asking for the mercy we're asking for like for this just this relationship it doesn't matter the aspect of relationship it doesn't matter if it's father Just the fact that we want a relationship. It's possible. It's possible. I would say more 
the aspect of Yom Kippur and yeah. the, the idea of where we find, we come back in almost all of the holidays when we learn Chassidus, that at the end of the day, what are we celebrating? The relationship between us and Hashem that transcends all logic, right? Like Yom Kippur, Hashem right. forgives us. The day itself atones because the truth of who we are becomes revealed, which is that we're one with God and that we're above sin and that we're beyond above good and bad because that's, right, that's the truth of our soul. That's the truth of Hashem. We're going to learn that Purim is about that as well, that transcendent relationship. Um, Chassidus comes back to this all the time, right. that... It's the only way that we've actually been able to survive as Jews because if we were defined by the outer layers of our soul and by our expressions of how we're Jews and if we related to Hashem as he expresses himself through judgment, through mercy, through kindness, we wouldn't be able, the relationship wouldn't be able to survive because sometimes we don't do what God wants and then sometimes God could, could react very harshly, right? And, and, and that's what happened when the Jews didn't act the way God wanted, like right after Martin Tyra and then, Hashem was like, okay, I'll start again. And Moshe was like, no, 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 no. Like you have a relationship with these people that transcends sin and that transcends your feelings, right? And that's what Moshe was always kind of bringing, bringing, bringing back. And the idea is that, that we, when we became a nation, which was in the process of leaving Egypt, crossing the sea, and then getting the Tyra, we reveal, this process revealed the truth that the truth of who the Jews are is that they're one with the truth of who Hashem is. So when you go down in layers of how Hashem expresses himself in the world, we're not that one with Hashem. There are parts of Hashem that judge us, that want to stack this way and that way, that, you know, that will compare us to the non-Jews, all these things. And when you look at the expressions of us, there are parts of us that sometimes forget that we have a relationship with God and that act in this or that way. But when you go to the depth of our soul, right, to each individually and as a collective, and you take that and you connect it with the depth and the truth of who Hashem is, as he transcends all expression, not only including infinite expression, that's where the real union is. And that is what Matantyre was. It was a connecting of the deepest part of us with the deepest part of God. But in order to get there, we needed the splitting of the sea, as we're going to see here, that what happened when the sea split, we walked on dry land in the sea at the same time. And we're going to see what that significance is. It's, it's an, it's, we were able to have an experience where we were have, it, literally experiencing both worlds at the same time because we experience this transcendence. This transcendence allows for both things to happen at the same time because it's beyond being limited to being infinite or to, or to being limited to being dry land or to being sea, to being the revealed world or to being the concealed world. When we sit through the, the song represented this idea that the deepest truth of Hashem was revealed in the splitting of the sea. And the deepest part of the Jews was revealed at the splitting of the sea, which allowed the Jewish people to walk on dry land in the sea at the exact same time. Because we are not limited to being on dry land or to being on the sea. Because the truth is that we're higher than both. And that the truth is that Hashem is higher than both. And we had to experience this, this experience so that we can then go to Matan Taira, bringing forth the deepest part of who we are so we can meet the deepest part of God. But the idea of that we don't want to connect, that we don't want to suffice only with the spiritual pleasure, with Gan Eden, with the Torah, with spirituality, um, because that's not God himself. Is that understood? What we said until now, before we get into the splitting of the sea? The idea of the horse and the rider, that God actually raised them up in the sea, raised them up to a higher, a level higher than both of them. Because that's the truth of who God is and that's the relationship he wants with us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Does it make more sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> and again, 
we, 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 when we daven, we're connected to all different parts of Hashem and all different names of Hashem and, and throughout our day and in different mitzvahs and in different intentions. Um, but that's not, that, that's not the ultimate goal and that's not the ultimate truth of why we're doing anything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. The real motivation behind that is to have a, a relationship with Hashem himself. Okay, last paragraph. Bezeu, we might not finish reading, well, we'll probably finish reading the whole thing inside and then we will expound on it and sum it up. Sum it up tomorrow, okay? This means he who gives over to those who give him kindness. Pirush, this means that these people who are living the ultimate state of relationship with Hashem, they do not have, they do not have, they do not have a level of love for God. That comes from themselves. Because they just desire so much to cleave to God, Yisbarach, to Hashem. Only to quench their thirst. So the level that we're trying to reach is a level where we reach out to God and our love for God is not based on, I need God so much. I'm so thirsty and like that they want to quench their thirst and their desire for God. You go out of the picture totally. Ela rather, that he should draw down Hashem's kindness from the higher worlds to the lower worlds. When it descended from above, he's not doing it because of himself. This is the idea that God raised up the horse and its rider in the sea. Pirush. This means she beginnes ha eisies de machshava dibrova machshava. Sorry, that the level of speech, of, the level of letters of speech and thought, makar de almadis galia, which are sourced in the revealed world, which here it's slightly different than what it's saying in the Tanya, which is saying that both thought and speech are from that thought is from the concealed world, speech is from the revealed world. From the revealed world, when we talk about letters, we're talking about definition, which automatically means limitation and contraction. God took the aspect of himself, which is limited and contracted, and he raised it up to the level of sea. This is a concealed world. The and this is because Kigaya Ga'a, because God is exalted beyond being exalted. God took us, who are on a level of Amadis Galia, who are limited to a specific type of relationship with Hashem based on what we want, based on what we understand, based on what we think we need. And he raised us up to the level of Amadis Gassia, which is an experience of ultimate unity. And the reason he was able to do that is because he is Gaya God, because he's higher than Amadis Galia and he's higher than Amadis Gassia. And he's not limited to having a relationship with us on, from one aspect over the other. And we, therefore, are not limited to relating to Hashem from only one aspect or the other. He raised us up to the consciousness of the sea. What does that mean? He allowed us to have an experience of Amadis Gassia while still remaining individual people. We had an experience of both happening at the same time. The aspect and concept of ICS, of limitation, was raised up to the level of C, to a consciousness of unity and oneness, where you can clearly experience your source at all times. 
Why was God able to do this? Because Hashem is Hashem alone, and Hashem transcends both of these levels. Nothing can be compared to uh, compared to God. Everything is considered as if it's not important. Lefanov before him, For God, darkness is like light. And before God, the concealed world and the revealed world are equal. And therefore, because Hashem is above both of these levels, Hafach Yam. Le'abasha, Hashem turned the sea into dry land. As it says, V'zel banar yavru baregel, in the river we will pass by foot, sham nismachavai, and there we will rejoice in Hashem. Pirush, this means, where we, who will, what we will we be rejoicing with when we pass through the river, through the water on foot, on dry land, we will be able to rejoice, ba'atzmusoi umahosei, with Hashem himself, so to speak, and this is only because that the enemy said, I am going to chase after them and get my portion. Okay, so this idea is a new idea. So before we get into this, let's sum up the idea before. It says it in one line. It has an entire mimer to say it in one line, that God that God turned the sea into dry land. What does that mean he turned the sea into dry land? That he allowed the Jewish people who are on a level of dry land, of separateness, who have a very certain specific perspective of God, he allowed them to experience a, a consciousness of the level of sea while they were still on the dry land. Usually we said... If you are a fish, if you have the perspective of the sea, you'll die on dry land. You can't survive there. You can't feel separate and in it, as an individual while also experiencing the unity and oneness of God because they are opposites. And that's what my ship kept saying. I can't do what you want me to do because I am from the level of sea. And the same is true the other way around. Those who experience themselves as separate, the moment that they experience the, the sea version, that everything is one, they lose their sense of self. But God doesn't want a people who are not a people, who are actually not even angels that are so high that they're just one with him. That's not the reason that he created us. He wants us as separate individual people who see themselves as existing <coughs> to be consumed and to take on the perspective of the unity of Hashem. This is impossible, but it's possible because Hashem is Gaiga, because Hashem is the one who split the sea, and Hashem is beyond the level of dry land, and he's beyond the level of sea. So when the Jewish people were walking through on dry land, what, what does it say? That this, the sea split, and the land was dry. It wasn't only dry, it was like it wasn't even muddy, right? It's brought, I think it's brought in Rashi or in the Medrash, that you would think that suddenly like the seabed was just totally put to the side and the and the, the <coughs> bottom of the sea was revealed you would think it's like it's got some sort of water and no 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 it was dry it was literally dry it was very very comfortable to walk on and at the same time they looked this way they looked this way what did they see they didn't see more dry land and more dry land they saw the sea they saw water they experienced Amadeus Kasia when they were passing through the sea they had an experience of the of a consciousness of Hashem 
which usually is reserved for very, 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 very high souls and very limited souls, which was they experienced what I am dependent on Hashem completely and everything is Hashem and there's nothing other than Him. But they experienced it as Esther and as Shloimi and as whatever their names were, Levi and Yehuda. I, as an individual person with a name, with a life, am experiencing the fact that everything is one and there's nothing other than Hashem. And they didn't lose themselves in this experience. So was the level of Bittel that Moshe had? Yes. What was it called? Bittel okay. They, ex- But this is the thing. They experienced Bittel B'Metzias while still remaining individuals. Which is, which, is not, which is the opposite of what Bittel B'Metzias is. Bittel B'Metzias means I don't exist. But they didn't feel that they don't exist. They existed. They didn't lose their identity as Jewish people and as individuals. But they still had this experience that the truth is everything is God. And it's not God. It's not levels and layers and expressions of God. It's God himself. They had to experience this in order to meet God himself at Har Sinai. And that's why God split the sea. And split the sea in a way, he didn't put them on boats and take them on the sea, right? He didn't just clear it and make it all dry land. Split the sea in a way that they were on the dry land and in the sea at the exact same time. And this, as we're going to see, is what they were praising when they were singing the song, the Shira. They were saying... We're going to sing to Hashem, right? Which allows us to reach the deepest part of ourself, the deepest part of God. Because what have we seen from this experience? That Hashem is beyond being even exalted. That Hashem is beyond any, any sort of expression or limitation whatsoever. We were able to see the truth and the essence of Hashem in this experience. And therefore they sang. And that's why they sang. And that's what they were singing. Now... The altar says something very interesting because we know that the Egyptians, and now we're looking at this all from a very spiritual place, right? From a physical place, the sea split, not very physical phenomena, but the sea split. And then the Egyptians were like, oh my gosh, the Jews are running. Let's go catch them. So they went into the sea to try and catch the Jews. Chassidah says, no, 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 no. The Jewish people were having this tremendous experience as they were walking through the sea. And the non-Jews said, oh my gosh, I want some of that as well. I want to experience this incredible revelation, which even transcends what we can even call revelation, because the moment Hashem is revealing himself, he's limiting himself. This incredible experience that Jews are having, we want that for ourselves. That's why it says, I'm going to chase after them, and I'm going to split up the bounty. Shalom means the the bounty, right? Is there a better word for bounty? (laughs) Is that a word that we use? I don't know. Uh, The riches, the spoils. Spiritually, they saw this experience and they wanted it for themselves. But because the deepest part of them was not part of the deepest part of God, which only this essential aspect that is unique to God and to the Jews allows for an experience of either this or that, the sea fell onto them. They were not able to have an experience of two opposites because that is reserved for an essential level. Does that, does that make sense? They wanted this experience. They wanted to be on the dry land and experience the sea at the same time. But because they did not have this essential aspect that allows for this impossibility to happen, the impossibility didn't happen. And it turned all into sea. The sea consumes you. You lose your sense of self completely. And they lost themselves and they died. So that's, that's the next part of it. That this, this experience is reserved specifically for the Yidin. It was only possible for them. So we say, and this is because this level that they experienced, even the enemy, 
asig achalek shalom. I'm going to chase after him and I'm going to grab them. I'm going to take the riches and the spoils. They wanted it too. Perish, this means shegam avda kachavim, that even the non-Jews writes him liyais yenikasam v'achizasam misham. They too want to receive their life force and their energy from there. From where? From God's essence. Me'achar shalafanov yisbarach, since on this level, kachashicha ka'ira, darkness is like light, the sus v'roich v'ramavayam, and the horse and its rider are raised up in the sea. And about this they said, excuse me, this verse says, that his eyes are looking onto the nations. And those who go against him will be raised up forever. What does this mean? The non-Jews do not have this elevated level they do not have this aspect of, inf- of essence within them that allows for two opposites to coexist. And therefore, the waters covered them. They were not exp- able to experience dry land and the sea. And they were only able to go down from there. From this level, itself, because Hashem has raised us up from above all of the nations, and this is the reason for why they fell. Hashem gave us, uh, what would the word be? A gift. He gave us, he, he made us in a way that we were able to experience these two opposite things, but the Gaim were not. And they wanted to experience this because if you actually are able to tap into a level where God doesn't see a difference between dark and light, between good and bad, between Jew and non-Jew, you can get a lot of good stuff because there's no differences. You can act how you want and still get, and still get great things. But if you're missing that essential element, then it's just not a possible experience to have. So the reason they wanted that is because they wanted to be able to get all the goodness without having to put the effort in. And we're going to see with the story of Purim that that's basically what Haman was trying to do too, to reach a level where he was, where God kind of didn't notice a difference between the Jews and the non-Jews, so maybe he wouldn't save the Jews. And the, and the, the Egyptians said, oh my gosh, there's a level going on right now in the sea where God is so exalted right now that he doesn't see a difference between any sort of creations because he's so beyond. Let's go and get what we can and grab what we can. But they weren't able to because they weren't able to hold these two opposites. And the water crashed down onto them. But what about the Jews? They walked on the dry land within the sea. Because the water turned into a wall from their right and their left. And the rest of what the wall represents we'll finish off with tomorrow. What does the wall represent? Of one side and the other, the pillar of the water that they walked through. We'll finish off with, um, with that and then we'll end off again just with the, and it ends off with the fact that the Gaim were not able to have this experience. Okay? Questions or comments? We're good? Okay, so we're going to wrap it up tomorrow. Maybe we'll do a bit of a summary or give you time to review it. And then hopefully you guys have a great Dvar Taira for this week. <laughs>